I want to talk to you a little bit about perspective. Can you say the word perspective? Okay, she's going to talk about perspective. Perspective is how we see things. It's this lens in which we view everything through. And it's amazing how two people can look at the same situation and see it differently. Anyone agree with me? That's, this is the age-old glass half empty, glass half full analogy, right? Two people can look at the same situation and see it very differently. Uh, one can find a circumstance to be negative and hopeless, and another person can look at that same perspective and see it as optimistic or joyful. And so it's interesting because you may have heard or been part of the recent social media debate, I'm going to look at my Kyle for Young Adult section here potentially, where they post a dress... And you have to see whether you see gold and white or blue and black. Do you remember that? All right, so hundreds of people all across the nations, millions of people say, I see this, these certain colors. And then other people say, oh, I see these certain colors. It's all in perspective. Or how about, do you remember um, this big question that plagued the nation when an audio clip was released and some heard the word Yanny and others heard the word Laurel? Anybody remember that? All right, did you, anybody raise your hand if you did it, like you listened to the clip and you tried to figure it out. Okay, two different words. The whole nation was split all according to what they heard was said. So I want to do some practicing this morning. Are you up for it? Some practicing on perspective? Okay, if you came to church alone, get close to the person next to you because you're going to make a friend today. Um, but let's look at these images, and I want you to tell the person next to you what you see. Here's the first one. Tell the person next to you, what do you see? Joel just told me he sees both. It's very, very exceptional human being on the first row. All right, how many of you seen a vase? You see the vase? Okay. How many of you saw the two faces first? All right. All right, here's the second one. What do you see? That, <laughs> thank you, Gary. What do you see now? It's kind of far away, but what do you see? All right. How many of you saw two, uh, a, a woman and a man, two older people kind of staring in each other's eyes? All right. How many of you saw the Spanish men with guitars? <laughs> Look closer. It's kind of hard, but do you see it now? Anyone? Okay. All right. <laughs> this is fun. All right, last one. Tell the person the word you see. All right, how many see flip? How many see flop? <laughs> okay. Flop, you are the winner. Perspective matters. Perspective matters. Now, each of us approach life with a different lens, and we're continuing our series today called Word of Mouth. And this series addresses uh, what we say, our words, our speech, affects our perspective, not just in the natural, but also in the supernatural. And so last week, we talked about inviting words, and today we're going to talk about thankful words, okay? We're going to talk about thankful words. So the first thing I want to talk about is how thankfulness changes our perspective. Thankfulness changes our perspective. Regularly giving thanks to God not only helps us fully realize how he's working in our lives, but it gives us a new perspective. Our mind is renewed. Our attitude is renewed. We are filled with joy. 
Thankfulness can literally change our life. Because living life with a heart of gratitude for who God is and what he has done for us lifts our burdens and causes us to see things in a different way. Okay, so the psalmist reminds us to give thanks to God. And he's very serious about this, giving thanks to God. It was a command. And so in Psalm 136, we're just going to read a little bit of it, verses 1 through 3. And I want to do this together today. So if you thought you were just going to come to church and watch... You thought wrong. All right. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to say the verse, and you're going to say, his love endures forever. Are you ready? All right. So this is Psalm 136. We're just going to do a few verses. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Yes. Now, in the message translation, which is a little different translation, Psalm 136 continues, it goes on. And I want to read just these few verses in the message translation. It's the same psalm, different translation. Help me with this one too, but your part is going to be, his love never quits. Okay? God remembered us when we were down. He rescued us from the trampling boot. Takes care of everyone in time of need. Thank God who did it all. Do you feel better already? <laughs> Is your perspective already different on whatever situation you have walked into today? This good God never quits on us. He rescues us. He helps us when we need it. His love endures forever. He is the Lord of lords and the God of gods, and he is our Father. And there are so many reasons to thank him. And so I'm so thankful for the time we had in worship, and I was so tempted just to say, let's just keep doing that, because what I have to say today is good, but let's just keep thanking God for who he is. It's interesting, because in the scripture, after Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, they were grumbling and murmuring and complaining. They did not have a heart of leadership, or of gratitude, excuse me. They didn't like Moses' leadership. They wanted a different menu they didn't want the manna anymore. They actually wanted to go back to Egypt where they were beaten and forced to work long hours in the sun. But the Israelites thought their enemies were the only reason that they couldn't get to the promised land. But the scripture says it wasn't just their enemies, it was also their attitude. It was also their attitude. Their attitude literally kept them wandering in the wilderness. And in Numbers 11, we see God burning with anger, it says, at the people because all they were doing was complaining. Their perspective was so negative. It was so tainted. And when I read that, I began to think, have you ever considered that perhaps you can't get to all the things that God wants for you for your life? Because if you got there, your attitude wouldn't match the blessings he poured out on you anyway. So he knows that once you get there, if you're still going to grumble and murmur and complain anyway, then going to the promised land has no joy in it. Maybe he's waiting for you to have a grateful heart before he takes you to the promised land. He did that in Numbers 11. As a parent, when my children are thankful for what I give them, I naturally want to give them more. Any parents can get an amen there. My daughter, Cecily, she's 11. She's the best gift receiver ever. You give her a used number two yellow pencil with a half-used eraser, she's like, yeah! I'm like, what are you going to do with that? She's like, I don't know, but I'm excited. If you know Cecily, you're laughing because you know it's so true. And you know what? All I want to do is buy her gifts all the time. Joel's got to stop me. 
Because her enthusiasm, her gratefulness, she's so easy to please. She's so grateful. And, and every time I get her something, even though it's a gift, she hasn't earned it with her gratefulness. It's still a gift. But it makes that moment so much sweeter. And this is our, a reflective on our relationship with Jesus in the scripture says, when he gives us gifts that we could never earn and we are thankful, he, it, he makes our lives sweeter. It makes our lives full of joy. And I believe that happens for us. All right, secondly, so thankfulness changes our perspective. Thankfulness produces satisfaction. Thankfulness produces satisfaction. So the nature of human flesh if we aren't disciplined or controlled by the Holy Spirit, we will always drift toward the negative. So don't be too hard on yourself because honestly, we're always going to drift toward the negative if we don't pull ourselves back. We never have to try to complain. Have you ever been like, man, I'm just looking for something to be mad about here? You know? You never have to try to complain. The complaints come fast. What we have to try to do is have a grateful and thankful heart. We have to try to, try to get it down. I want to read to you Psalms 100, 1 through 4. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to, to him and praise his name. And so in this scripture and also in many scriptures in the Bible, thankfulness and joy go together. Thankfulness and joy are tethered together. There is a connection. They are byproducts of each other. So thankfulness begets joy, and joy begets thankfulness. That's just what happens in the supernatural. And so if you have lost your joy this morning, start thanking God for what you have. Even if it's small, you start thanking God for what you have. Because the scripture says when you begin to thank God for what you have, it will produce joy. Now, what I find contrastly in the scripture is that lack of thankfulness brings darkness. Lack of thankfulness brings spiritual blindness. I want to read to you Romans 121. It says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. So Romans is telling us that without thankfulness, our hearts actually become darkened. Our hearts become foolish. And that's why the scripture says thankfulness isn't like this optional choice you get to make if you're feeling positive that day. I'm just feeling good. I'm just going to thank the God for, for what I have. Thankfulness, it's imperative. It's vital. It's commanded. In fact, the scripture says it is dangerous for your spiritual health to be ungrateful. It's dangerous. It's interesting because I'm kind of on this, uh, this kick, like this study, where I like to look at things uh, in the Bible and the supernatural, and then I like to see what God does in the natural, right, how he reflects it. And so I was looking up studies, and in, in the University of Manchester in England, not a um, spiritual study, they reported that when we complain, our brains release, release stress hormones that harm neural connections in areas used for problem solving and other cognitive functions which is probably what happened to me in my college statistics class, okay? Because at some point, after I complained about that homework, I could not understand it. But this also happens when we listen to someone else moan and groan. So John Gordon is a psychologist and he's an author, and he compared the harms of complaining 
to the harms of secondhand smoke. That the more you complain, the more around you those people who complain, the more likely you are to choose negative over positive thinking in the long run. And fascinatingly so, for each time you complain, your brain is actually physically rewiring itself, making it easier to adapt to that reaction in the future. MRI scans have shown that constant complaining can lead to the shrinkage of what they call the hippocampus, which is this region in your brain responsible for cognitive functioning. So the smaller your hippocampus, the more likely you are to have your memory decline and the less likely you are to be able to adapt to new situations. So what's happening is thankfulness produces satisfaction and the lack of thankfulness produces stress And God, the creator of the universe, designed our bodies to even react physiologically to the supernatural principle. What science is finding is what the scripture is telling us, is that being grateful and being thankful isn't some uh, notion. It is literally harmful, detrimental to our spiritual health and also to our physical health. So here's some good piece of advice. Sometimes you have to tell the negative committee that meets inside your head to just sit down and shut up. Am I right? Okay, there's three of you that thought that was good. Come on. That was a good one. You just have to tell it. Stop. Just knock it off. Men, if you want to use like that, your wife's voice in that little like moment, that's okay. We're okay with that. Knock it off. Quit. Thinking that, say to those negative and complaining thoughts in your mind and in your heart and in there, just stop. That is not true because thankfulness changes our perspective and produces satisfaction. So last week we talked about Jesus. He interacted with a woman at the well in John 4, and she was a Samaritan, if you remember. Now, Samaritan and Jewish people, they didn't interact with one another. They're very different people groups. And in Luke 17, we see that Jesus has another experience with a Samaritan. So I want to look at that uh, this morning as we end today. Jesus, he's on his way into Jerusalem. He comes across 10 men who have leprosy. And they're calling out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us, have pity on us. Now, leprosy is this terrible, infectious skin disease. It's very contagious. Um, In extreme cases, you can lose your voice. It can become um, crackly. It can become um, weak. You can lose your, you can go blind. Your nose can sort of rot on your face. I mean, it's terrible. It's this terrible disease. And in that time, a person with leprosy was an outcast. In fact, in Leviticus 17, it tells that the person, if you had leprosy, you had to, to walk around and just cry out, unclean, 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 wherever you went. And so not only was it uh, terrible for you physically, but it was a very lonely disease. It was a very awful disease, very shameful to just have to walk around and declare that you're dealing with this. Lepers weren't allowed to go to the temple for worship. They weren't allowed with their families. And so uh, scholars believe they would hang out with each other because at least they couldn't contaminate one another. And so we see at this particular time, there's 10 lepers, and they're diverse. That explains why the the Jews and the Samaritans are together, because this disease seemed to very much level the playing field. So they're crying out to Jesus to get his attention, and he responds to them in Luke 17, 14, and he says, go, show yourself to the priest, and you will be cleansed. 
Okay, so what's interesting about this is Jesus sent them to the priest because the priest was the only one who could declare them clean again and free them to return to normal life. If you weren't declared clean by the priest, it didn't count, okay? So Jesus heals them on the spot. I mean, he heals them on the spot of leprosy. He didn't, they didn't have to go to the priest to get healed, So he heals them miraculously, but he says, go to the priest, and the priest will declare you clean, and then you can return to your normal daily activity. So we see in Luke 17, 15 through 17, this is the fascinating part. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And I love that detail, the loud voice. His voice was probably weak and cracked before, but he was able to come back and praise God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And the scripture makes sure to tell us, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except the foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. And so out of the 10 that Jesus healed, only one came back to thank Jesus. One. We will never know for sure why those other nine were, what what they were thinking. We, We can't assume, but I do know that there are a lot of reasons I don't go back and thank Jesus. Anybody with me? There's a lot of reasons that I don't go back and thank Jesus so that they could. Maybe, maybe he got distracted. How many of you can relate to that? You get so caught up in life, you know, you, you mean to do the things you do. You, you have the best intentions, but you just get a little bit distracted sometimes. Anybody willing to admit that with me? It's a, it's a little bit distracting. Maybe some people think that good gifts are coincidental. Maybe, maybe they thought it was coincidence that the lepers were healed after talking to Jesus. Often we don't give God the credit for the good things in our life. We, we are quick to credit luck. Man, that was lucky. That was lucky. But we are slow to credit God. Maybe these other nine men felt they earned their healing. Maybe, maybe they felt like, you know, they, they, they had suffered. They, they deserved this healing. And, and they got caught in this trap of thinking, you know, um, I, I worked hard for a living. I earned this boat. I earned this vacation. My kids, my kids are good because I'm a good parent. I, I, I make sure that I, that I give them everything that they need. But you know what the truth is? Without God, there is no good thing. There's no good thing. We can't earn a good thing if we, if we try our whole life because God gives us all of them. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we probably fall into the group of nine lep- lepers more often than we would like to admit, don't we? That we often fall into that. And how many of God's blessings do we fail to thank him for? How many things do we pray for we get and we never go back to the Lord and say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you that you did that. Thank you that it didn't rain for our summer cookout. (laughs) Thank you for these things. We receive blessings on every side, and we often take them and we enjoy them, but we never give God thanks for them. Okay, I want to end on this point, and it's really important, so stay with me. I read to you almost the entire account in Luke 17, but when the one guy goes back, the foreigner, and he calls him a foreigner because he's a Samaritan, he's not a Jewish person. And so uh, in their minds, they cannot earn salvation. You have to be Jewish to earn salvation. That was the thought then. And so in this moment, Jesus is showing us something very, very significant here. And in Luke 17, 19, when the Samaritan comes back, 
he lays before Jesus and he says, thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus says, then he said to him, rise and go because your faith has made you well. And what we see happening in this moment of salvation is that Jesus says, listen, I healed your leprous body. But I can do more than that because your soul that's ugly and leprous and, and far from me, your faith right now that you came back to thank me, that has made you well. In fact, some other translations literally translate that as your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And so the leper comes back and credits Jesus in faith for his healing. And he says, listen, the priest can declare you clean, but only the Son of God can declare you saved. That's what he says. Only the Son of God can bring salvation to your soul. And so we see this Samaritan having this moment. And we just, I, I feel so often, we, we can learn, I can tell you today, you know, I want you to thank God for the things in your life and your, your husband and your family and your stuff and your job and all this stuff that God has given you. Because God makes our life here on earth great and he does it with so much grace. But I think so often we overlook thanking God for those spiritual blessings. When's the last time you thank God that you were once a great and wicked sinner with no hope. But he made a plan. He made a plan that he pursued you with his reckless love and he brought you from, from death and defeat and destruction and hell into eternity. When's the last time we thank God that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to be sacrificed on a cross so that would bridge the gap between our leprous and broken and ugly souls and God's perfection? When's the last time we thank God for his Holy Spirit to guide us and comfort us and assure us and equip us? When's the last time we thank God for the church that we could learn from each other, we could love each other, we could stand upon it, and that God promised that the gates of Hades will never prevail over the church. God, thank you for the church. So easy to complain. But God is saying, when's the last time that you have thanked me heaven for the place that you're preparing for us where there are no tears or sorrow where all wrongs are made right where, where we get to to have reunion with those that have passed before us and they're in our plan they're going to bear with us if they've received Jesus and, and we're going to be with them when's the last time we thank God for those things and the scripture just says give thanks to the Lord for he is good 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 he's so good and his love endures forever yeah would you stand that's all I have to say. <laughs> Let's sing this together. It just declares our thankfulness to God. And would you just think about all the things you want to declare God's thank, that you're thankful for his faithfulness. You're thankful for what he's done for you. You're thankful he, he brought you out of spiritual darkness into understanding. And you're thankful for all the things that he's given to you.
strong name we pray. Amen. Amen. 